The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels Show. Repeat after me. America is a republic, and there's nothing democratic about the Democrat Party. Let's get our words right, people. She's tough. What part of shall not infringe don't you legislators understand? Read the Constitution. Read the Bill of Rights. Read the stupid so-called laws that you guys sign your names to. Your focus is shameful. She's smart. And besides, what have you legislators done that gives you power over us? Trick the people into electing you? Swearing an oath that you don't seem to understand or follow? She's tenacious. I say bring the Electoral College to the county level for all national elections so Michigan isn't governed by sanctuary jurisdictions like Wayne and Washtenaw counties. She's sassy. Michigan has a big problem. We have too many people who exhibit seditious behavior in elected office and that needs to change. I'm hoping against hope we can change the change. Let's talk about some of this stuff on the Janice Daniels Show. This could be fun. And now, your host, Janice Daniels. I want to wish a rainy Michigan winter big thank you to Donald J. Trump for showing the world that he truly is a leader worthy of being the President of the United States. Thank you so much, President Trump. We know that your primary job as Commander-in-Chief is to keep America safe. And I personally want to thank you for taking out a couple of terrorist monsters like Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and Qassam Soleimani, even if they are heroes to our enemies. Uh, in, in fact, I attended a meeting this past week where, where a really nice guy was trying to tell us that this guy Soleimani was a freedom fighter for his cause. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a hoot. His cause is anti-American, so I personally am glad that he has met his maker, whoever that is, and wherever he went. And I don't have blinders on. Not everything I want is being done either. I'm always concerned about advancing big government, whatever hat somebody's wearing. But President Trump is the first president in my lifetime that appears to be fighting day and night for what I see as the best America first agenda I have yet seen. And President Trump is building that wall. So, Ann Coulter, I respect you. You're a brilliant modern-day, oft-times very effective and entertaining commentator. But sometimes you're a bonehead. And I think your case against Trump for not building that wall fast enough was short-sighted and wrong-headed. That's my opinion. And this is the Janice Daniels Show. So my opinion counts, at least for the next hour. Uh, President Trump also campaigned for economic prosperity. We're at 3.5% unemployment. Now, I don't know if these statistics are accurate. How could I really know? But I do know that I see employment signs everywhere. That's anecdotal, I know, but tell me different. If you know something different, call the show, 734-822-1600. That's 734-822-1600. And tell me something different, if you can, about our employment and our uh, our uh, economy as it stands. But don't call in with anti-American conjecture. I won't let you get away with it. I've heard and seen quite enough of that. So at any rate, I would think that what we need to do right now is find a way to properly educate our youth so that they can take those jobs that are remaining and be able to fill the needs of the business community that is growing, and maybe someday we'll reach full employment. 
So today I'm kind of excited to have a gentleman named Michael Patrick Leahy, who's the CEO and founder-in-chief of Star News Digital Media. Media. Uh, that's a company that owns and manages a family of state-focused conservative news sites, including the Tennessee Star, the Ohio Star, the Michigan Star, and the Minnesota Sun. Um, I would suggest that you bookmark the Michigan Star. It really is a good website. He's also a host of the Tennessee Star Report, which is broadcast weekday mornings from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. on a couple of different radio stations in Nashville. He's going to be joining us at the uh, bottom of the first hour here, well, the only hour that I have, but uh, he'll be joining us after the bottom of the hour break. Um, I have mentioned this Constitution B in Michigan, and in fact, he's the founder of this concept of the Constitution B. So I want to really work with him to give a better understanding of this Michigan Constitution B that's coming on April 18th in Royal Oak, Michigan. But first I want to work through an article or two of another great, almost iconic thinker and historian, and that's Victor Davis Hanson. This is going to be great. Now, for those of you who don't know or need a reminder of just exactly who this Victor Davis Hanson is, he's an American military historian, a columnist, a former classics professor, and a scholar of ancient warfare. He was a professor of classics at California State University, Fresno. He received his Ph.D. in classics from Stanford University in 1980. He's been a visiting professor at Hillsdale College since 2004. That's our local education institution that is at the top of my list of good places to send your children to go to college. Um, he's authored hundreds of articles, book reviews, new, newspaper editorials. Um, he, his latest book is The Case for Trump, which was written in 2019. He's also a farmer. He's, he grows raisin grapes on a family farm in Selma, California. So he's a producer, not a parasite. Uh, and that really is uh, the only two kinds of people that are alive, and that is producers and parasites. So this article that I want to focus on, written by Victor Davis Hanson, he wrote in the summer of 2002, that was shortly after the shared national grief of 9-11. It was published at cityjournal.org. I'm going to take you through this article. It'll be a walk down memory lane for many of us, sort of a refreshing reminder of how things used to be. And I would like to think that maybe it will be an eye-opener for people in my audience who aren't aware of the fact that we used to have a sense of pride in our country. Now, in this article called The Civic Education America Needs, The Civic Education America Needs, he speaks of the sense of American exceptionalism that was developed in his own classroom. I think he was in class maybe in the 50s in rural California. And, and actually, that sense of American exceptionalism spread across the nation. And I think he chose his word developed carefully because even though a sense of pride 
um, was in the air for the most part, it was there because our ancestors put it there and taught us about it. As Victor Davis Hanson says, with the saluting of our flag, singing of America the beautiful, learning about the checks and balances of the Constitution, with classrooms decorated with figures of Thomas Jefferson, the Wright brothers, and Teddy Roosevelt, and the self-evident truths upon which our unique country rests. That's end quote. Now, much of what the uh, liberty movement in this country is, is supporting are just those things, except maybe Teddy Roosevelt. We kind of know that he, not Woodrow Wilson, started the spiral into progressivism. That's a major cause of concern to liberty lovers everywhere. He pointed out that his class back then was about 65% Mexican-American. Now, we would call them Latinos today. He used the identifier Mexican-American in 2002. 10% of his classmates were Asian uh, and African-American. And now my friends like Phil Stargell, Milt Harris, Ron Edwards, Pastor Ewell, Sheila from Southfield would prefer to be called black Americans. And uh, one time I said to Sheila that she wasn't black. She was rich mocha. And she said not to give her yet another thing to worry about. <laughs> so um, then Victor Davis Hanson said that the remainder of his schoolmates, and that would be about 25%, were mostly poor, rural, white children whose parents had fled the Dust Bowl, who had fled the Dust Bowl. And that's kind of an interesting concept that we should talk about a little bit, the Dust Bowl. But first, I'm going to take a call from my friend Bob from Warren. Good afternoon, Bob. Good day. <laughs> Indeed. Is this the Honey Baked Host? This is the Honey Beige Host. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, now, you're supposed to say Honey Baked Ham. Then I could have said, no, this I is did. the Honey Beige Host <laughs> who is a ham. <laughs> I didn't want to go that far. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. How are you today, sir? Good, sir. Good. good. Uh, uh, miss, miss, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, miss Daniels, you, know, you mentioned the uh, full employment, 2.5%. 3.5%, but 3. close. 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, when I was in, when I took economics at EMU in 1967, I remember the professor, economics professor said that 4.0 was full employment at that time. You know what, I, I thought that 5.0 was full employment, but I would like to get to 100% employment if we yeah, can. Yeah, looks like we're heading there, too. Yeah, I, it, it appears to be. So, yeah. yeah. Anything else on your mind, sir? Well, that was it. That was it. Well, thank you so much for calling. I that. It jumped out at me. I said, what? Look at me. I'm 4%. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was really dull, whatever his name was. I don't know. I don't know who you're speaking of. My economics professor at EMU. Oh, well, economic professors tend to be eclectic at best and really only... Um, could have been Dr. Helpy, I think. I hope it doesn't get you in trouble, but I think that could have been his name. Dr. Helpy? S-H-A-L-P-I-E. I like it. I'll remember that. Okay. Thank you so much for the call, Bob. Okay, you're Take welcome. Take care. Thank you, Janice. You're welcome. Yes. Full un unemployment is 4 or 5%, so that's where we're at right now, but I'd like to get to 100% or 0% unemployment, 100% employment. So um, always striving, always shoot for the moon. My understanding is if you fail, you then fall among the stars. So 
That's good advice. And thank you for the call, Bob. Now, I'm, I wanted to give a little information or take a look at this uh, dust bowl phenomenon that took place in the 30s. Um, now, if you go to a website and try to find out information about it yourself, uh, even if you go to DuckDuckGo rather than Google, uh, you'll get the doom and gloom New World Order type spin on the cause and the results of this decade of drought that occurred in the 30s. Uh, you know, these are the people that think man is God rather than man is created by God. Uh, but, uh, of course, my usual recommendation is that you scroll through a number of pages until you can find an article that is a little more balanced in its presentation. And I found one called Wessel's Living History Farm. And it not only talks about the natural causes, it does mention man-made causes, but it also gives us some of the positive results that came out of this uh, uh, unusual phenomenon called the dust uh, belt, dust bowl, dust bowl. I don't know. I wasn't there. But anyway, um, kind of the uh, technology advancements that took place as a result of that in tractors and plows and uh, new farming techniques like planting more trees and, and improving your irrigation techniques. So that's like typically American stuff. We find out what's wrong and we fix it. So if you want to do a little more researching about uh, the issues of farming, this is a, a broad-based website. It's called livinghistoryfarm.org. And it's really good. But back to this article, The Civic Education American Needs, written by Victor Davis Hansen in the spring of 2002. His parents, like many other farmers in the plains of Nebraska and Kansas and Oklahoma who were bankrupt by this drought uh, and the Great Depression, so on top of this natural drought phenomenon, we had a government intervention drought if you will, called the Great Depression. That was mostly government-caused. Uh, a lot of the farmers migrated to California in the 30s and 40s. And Victor Davis Hansen says, quote, I cannot recall a single reference by our teachers, who was a native Oklahoman herself, to race, class, or gender, which might so easily have divided us. And then he goes on to say, the most recent immigrants from Mexico, the Philippines, and India often reminded us more complacent Native students just how lucky we were to live in the United States of America. And again, I quote, he says, A sense of humility and balance achieved through comparison with contemporary societies elsewhere and confidence in our values measured against recognition of man's innate weakness framed all the debates about the American experience, end quote. He also goes on to say that ending slavery in America exemplified the constant moral development that was possible and normal in a country like America. That was the focus then. Today, all we hear about is our shared burden based upon the fact that we imported slavery, an evil that he points out was not created in the West and today exists only in non-West cultures. And our children are being taught that slavery is a peculiarly American institution and is proof of our betrayal of our professed ideals. I'm, I'm reading from Victor Davis Hansen's article. 
He says, rather than an immemorial human vice that we are dedicating ourselves to ending, even though it required the deaths of tens of thousands of non-slave-holding Americans. Now, talking about slavery again, it isn't only just an immemorial human vice, as Victor Davis Hanson calls it. It's a biblical concept with specific rules, whereby the Hebrews were able to work off debts owed to others. You can check this out, read Exodus chapter 21, where it lists the rules of keeping slaves, but they're called servants in the King James Bible. You know, they they go buy a Hebrew servant, he has to serve for six years. In the seventh year, he's to go free for free. If he came alone, he's to to leave alone. If he came with a wife, he's to be able to take his wife with him. There's more rules. But of course, man being naturally disobedient, discarded the rules for servant-keeping that were given to us by God. I, I, I also found it kind of interesting in Exodus chapter 23, verses 10 and 11, it mentions land conservation. For six years, sow the land, gather the fruits, but in the seventh year, let the land rest, the vineyards and the olive yards. So it seems to me, I don't know, but Maybe if we started imparting biblical knowledge, it would be a good idea for educating our children about the ways of the world. I'm just saying. But back to this article, Victor Davis Hanson reminds us that we used to get grades in citizenship. I remember that. It had nothing to do with volunteering at various social agency-approved community service organizations. Rather, as he says, and I quote, our citizenship grades measured how orderly we were in class, whether we addressed the teachers with the proper courtesy and deference, how well we helped to clean the campus each week, and how presentable our desks and lockers were, along with assessments of our own personal cleanliness and general neatness. He went on to say, looking back, I don't think we were being molded into automatons, but rather prepared for self-reliance and for assuming the responsibility that the United States puts upon its free-thinking people to decide themselves how civil, hygienic, or humane a society they want. And then he goes on to say, it's your choice, and the country you get when you leave here is what you deserve. He suspected that our teachers felt civilization was a fragile thing, he says, as if obscene speech in class and dirty bathrooms on campus, like some virus, could spread to the nearby town and by association become endemic in this country. I guess those teachers were right looking at life in America in the year 2020. He goes on to say that virtue was a vital public concern, and it was more or less easily recognizable, unchanging, and absolute, something that the schools could and would teach. Now, he ends that particular paragraph by pointing out that this naive belief in unconditional and transcending values is the bedrock assumption of most great thinkers of the past three millennia. And, of course, millennia means a 1,000 years. So the great thinkers of the past 3,000 years believed that unconditional and transcending values were the bedrock assumptions. So I'm hoping that it isn't going to take our present-day millennials 
3,000 years to restore our American republic. In fact, we're going to get serious about starting that process of restoration. We don't need revolution. We need restoration. In fact, that reminds me that there is a protest rally tomorrow, Sunday, January 12th, in Livonia in response to a meeting that's being held called Our Revolution. And that concept is, is organized by a Bernie Sanders front group that's utilizing this event and others like it around the state and country as a method to recruit progressives, read socialist communist candidates, to run for office from dog catcher up to Congress. Uh, this event is going to be held in the front of the Livonia Community Public Library, which is south of Five Mile Road, east of Farmington Road. The actual Our Revolution event starts at 2 o'clock, so in order for us to be there as the attendees arrive, we would hope that we could arrive between 1 and 1.30. Now, we'd like you to have protest signs, but they should be family-friendly and issue-oriented, like Restore Our American Republic, Restoration, Not Revolution, Job Opening, Seeking U.S. Constitution Lovers for Public Office, We Love America, and America First. Those are some of my ideas for the signs. If you would like further information about this event, please contact James Hooper. He's the chairman of Wayne 11th Congressional District Republican Committee, and his phone number is 734-744-8484. That's 734-744-8484 for more information about tomorrow's protest rally in Livonia. I've got another call, Tom, from Detroit. Hello, Tom. Hi. Yeah, I was going to talk about that seven-year release. It's probably a rabbi uh question, but I also wanted to talk about the restoration. You got me thinking about that. But, that you know, I was just wondering, you know, it says, you know, the, the guy could, you know, the person could leave uh, after seven years but not take the wife if he didn't, you know. But, I mean, then then would the wife go after seven years? I mean, you know, walk out? And, or, and what about the kids? They You know, they get kicked out when they're, you know, seven years after they're born and like I say, you probably don't have the answer. Well, I, 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 I actually, I, I actually do kind of have the answer. I have a oh. couple of um, the rules that are in the Bible, uh, and that is that uh, if the man came alone, he's to leave alone. If he has a wife when he comes, she's to go with him. If the master gives him a wife and she bears him sons and daughters, she and the children actually belong to the master. Only the man goes. Free, but if the servant declares that he loves his master and his wife and children, the master must take him before God. And okay. go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. So then the uh, the women had different set of rights than the men. The women couldn't could didn't. There was no seven year release that applied to women. They were there forever. Uh, if I'm left, I'm mistaken. Well, I think that. Um, he could take his wife and family with him with permission. You're right. It was a... That uh, was after seven years. I mean, they, hey, he, well, he he's walked paid, after paid seven back years. His they debt. called it the seven-year release. He paid back his debt for the six years he was working for whoever he was working for. Yeah. And it also applied to uh, to mo- money lent or, pro- yeah, uh, you know, 
yeah, there was uh yeah, they couldn't charge uh, usury, and there was a seven-year release on debts. Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of uh, rules in the Bible that maybe if we really studied a little bit closer, we could find some truths in them uh, rather than taking them as being old-fashioned or not applicable. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, for us or whoever in the world at this point still allows slavery in their country, for them to think that the slave is theirs forever and ever and never to be released is really antithetical to what the God what God wanted in terms of slavery. Thank you for yep. calling so much. Um, I'm telling you, this kind of sets the stage for what I believe will be a very productive exercise in bringing core education to our country. And that's with the Constitution B. Join you after the break. The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels Show. On Wham! Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM. If you were listening to the first half hour of the broadcast, you know that I was working through an article by Victor Davis Hanson called The Civic Education America Needs. And I wanted to say that at the end of that article, he says, Restoring civic education from the daily practices of its rituals to real mastery of the elements of Americanism will not be easy, but such a, such a shared sense of values is critical in such a vast nation that is otherwise not defined by shared religion, common race, or dominant ethnic affiliation. He concludes by saying, it is the duty of teachers to transform us with a finer and more exalted sense of national purpose and heritage, an informed and heartfelt civic virtue that transcends Taco Bell, Oprah, Britney Spears, and Star Wars. Of course, this article was written in 2002, so there were some of the bigger names at that time. But I am excited to have... Michael Patrick Leahy on the line. I gave you a little bit of background of who he is. He's the CEO and editor-in-chief of an organization called Star News Digital Media, which owns and manages a family of state-focused conservative news sites, including the Tennessee Star, the Ohio Star, the Michigan Star, and the Minnesota Sun. And he's host of a, a talk show that's heard in Nashville, Michael Patrick Leahy, welcome to the Janice Daniels Show. Great to be with you, Janice, and thanks so much for having me on to talk about our... We've set up a, a separate nonprofit organization called the Star News Education Foundation, and our first major project is the National Constitution Beat, which is going to have two rounds of competition. The first round, round one, will be at the state level, and on April 18th, Anyone who's in grades 8 through 12 in Michigan who wants to compete can sign up at nationalconstitutionb.org in round one and uh, be able to compete in the Michigan uh, Constitution B. Well, I thank you. Uh, I, I thank you so much. I have been talking about this Constitution B coming to Michigan. I'm really excited about it. Again, that's on April 18th, 2020 in Royal Oak, Michigan. And I'll continue talking about it because I'm honored to have been asked to be one of the sponsors of your event. It's kind of like a spelling bee or a geography bee. We're going to give an opportunity to our youth to showcase their understanding of the United States Constitution. And I think that is such a concept whose time is Come. Yes, and and so um, <clears throat> the way uh, 
kids participate. They can win at, in round one at, uh, in the Michigan version of the Constitution B, the state-level competition. They're eligible to win a $3,000 scholarship for the first-place winner, 1000 for the second-place, and 500 for the third-place winner. And um, the top three winners are able to, are invited to participate in the National Constitution B that we'll be holding for all the state top three finishers uh, around the country in Washington, D.C. on uh, uh, June 27th. They get free trip uh, to Washington, lodging there for themselves and a parent, and the winner of the National Constitution B in Washington on June 27th will win a $25,000 college scholarship. Wow. How about that? That is fabulous. How did you come up with this really great idea, the Constitution B? Well, you know, we started uh, starting digital media here in Tennessee as a Tennessee star, and we reported it on news from a conservative perspective mm-hmm. back in 2017. And from the very beginning, <clears throat> I think we've got two challenges as uh, constitutional conservatives. Number one, we have to report the current news so that we have voters who are properly informed about the real facts in the current elections. But we have a longer-term problem, and that is uh, uh, public K-12 education has become a hotbed of left-wing propaganda. Boy, don't we know and, it. And they're not teaching American history properly, or the students don't have an understanding of what um, our constitutional republic is. So we, we've decided, you know, we've got to do both things. We have to address both. and So that's what we're doing. We're going ahead and... Uh, Doing that through this competition, making some fun for the kids, uh, giving them an opportunity to participate. Uh, and we, we, we wrote a book on this. Uh, the, the Constitution B is based upon that book. It's our guide to the Constitution Bill of Rights for secondary school students. Yeah, I noticed that uh, that that textbook that you have uh, that can be purchased at the Michigan Star, and I would encourage my audience to bookmark that website, themichiganstar.com, because it really gives a good perspective on the issues of the day. But there's an Education Foundation tab on the homepage, kind of over to the upper right, and your book is called The Star News Digital Media Guide to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights for Secondary Students. Now, this... Um, B is open to high school juniors and seniors, correct? Well, no, it's open to anybody uh, grades 8 through 12, whether they're in a public school or a private school or they're homeschooled. Now, typically what we find, Janice, is is most of the participants are juniors and seniors in high school. Uh But we've had some participants in in the 8th grade in, in some states, that's when they study social studies and history in the Constitution a little bit. So they're kind of, uh, that's why we've included the eighth grade. But any, anybody, any student who, who uh, reads our book um, will be prepared uh, for, to compete in the Constitution Bee, and we encourage them to do that. Have you found that homeschoolers are faring better in your competition than... Uh, they are indeed, yeah. <laughs> as, as it turns out. Surprise, surprise, well. huh? Um, but but we've had we've had three champions in Tennessee. One of one of whom was from um, um, was homeschooled, and then two of them came from rural public schools in Tennessee, where one particular teacher has really encouraged students to learn and understand the Constitution. We find, quite frankly, that um, public school teachers, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, uh, 
aren't as excited about participating in this. And now there there are exceptions, and we want those exceptions to go to uh, nationalconstitutionb.org and sign up because we have grants for them that if they will uh, agree to use our our book as a supplementary text, we will actually uh, ship 20 books to them for free. Oh, wow, that's exciting. That is really good news. Repeat that again. What website is that? And NationalConstitutionB.org. Just sign up there and uh, sign up for a grant, and you can go ahead. And uh, if you're a teacher in Michigan right now and you, you want your kids to have a chance to uh, win scholarships in April in Michigan of up to $3,000, and then the top three finishers there will go and be able to compete for a $25,000 grand prize scholarship in Washington, D.C. In, uh, uh, in June. Uh, you know, help your kids out. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's very, um, just, just, this is so heartwarming to me. I find it to be such an important launch pin or launch platform, if you will, to maybe start getting this idea into the American parent, teacher, children psyche that we need to relearn our founding documents. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty in- excited about getting a copy of your book. Uh, I actually would want to give it to my 28-year-old son and then let him pass it on to his children, because what I read is that it discusses people and events leading up to the ratification of the Constitution, and and it kind of gives the students an opportunity to learn the personalities and the policies and the politics that the framers had to deal yes. with. Yeah. And, and and then it goes, of course, through the Constitution, the Ten Amendments known as the Bill of Rights, and, and, and it seems as though it's going to be a really comprehensive book with a glossary and sourced endnotes. So I'm pretty excited about getting my copy of that book as well. How has the um, reaction to the book been? Are you getting a lot of orders for yeah, it? Yeah, the, the kids that get it really love it. I mean, it's it's written, I mean, it's not legalese. It's written so that a, a high school, secondary school student can read it, and it's got nice graphic images to it. And it's, it's written, of course, from an originalist perspective. Um, as opposed to the living constitutional perspective, which is really what they're taught yeah. in almost every K-12 uh, uh, public school. These right. And, uh, but, you know, look, any kid from any perspective is certainly welcome to compete. We want all kids to compete. In the essay contest, in fact, we do often ask students to comment on the difference between originalism and uh, uh, living constitutional uh, the, the the living constitutional interpretation of the constitution. Oh, that's Some interesting. So there's an well. yeah. so there's an essay portion. Uh, give us a little background or a little idea of how this uh, constitution be that I think lasts for three hours is going to go. About Please. three hours, yeah. and it's it. We start out with um, it's interesting the way we set it up, and after three years, I think we've kind of got it got it system down. Students compete uh, individually for prizes, but they also are on their high school team as well, and they get points for their high school team. And we've set it up so that there are a series of questions um, that go from the relatively easy to the more complex. Uh So let's say typically we'll have, let's say, 30 kids in a Constitution B. Okay. Uh, And so the first two rounds, relatively easy questions. If someone misses a question in the first round, um, they're not eliminated. They're given an opportunity at the end of the round to get a bonus question. And if they get it right, they're back in the competition. 
Oh. After the after the second round, however, uh, it's a single elimination game. Uh-huh. So let's say a student gets a question wrong in the third round. Right. Then they go to what we call the friends of the court bench. <laughs> and from there, they can actually earn points for their high school team, even though they're not competing for the individual championship. If somebody is, who's still in the competition is asked a question for which they don't know the answer, that person can ask a friend on the bench. And if the friend gives the right answer, they get a point for their high school team. So it continues probably six or seven rounds until we have about six competitors left. And then we take a break and change the, the, the format to essays. And we have three or four judges. And we ask essay questions of these six semifinalists. And uh, they take 15 minutes to consider the question. And then they come back. You know, they're individual. You know, they don't have access to Internet. And then they come back, and for about five minutes they explain their answer to the question. And then the judges, and in the case of Michigan, our judges are all, um, uh, I think they're all uh, uh, current or former members of the, of the state bench. Well, I'm not sure who they are, but I do know of one of them, and that's Judge Michael Warren. He's the yeah. founder of his Patriot Week, uh, U.S. Constitution Week. It's, he's, he's a really good guy. We have him on um, this station uh, interviewed oftentimes because he sure. is a good guy, one of the good guys. Exactly. And so, so then the, the, those judges subjectively determine which of those six semifinal essays are the, are the three best. Uh-huh. And so they select those three. And then we have the final championship round. And we have very complex, difficult questions for those three. And it's pretty dramatic, actually, as it turns out. And uh, so, you know, if you go through the, the round, and if nobody gets, if they all get the right questions, right answers, all three stick around for the next round. But if one of them misses it, they're out and it's down to two. Uh-huh. And then we keep going until there's only one left. And that winner in Michigan will win a $3,000 college scholarship. But once you're in that final round, you're in the final round of three, uh-huh. you have a ticket to Washington, D.C., and you will be competing for a $25,000 National Prize Scholarship. That is just so exciting. It really is. Uh, and I actually, I I looked at a lot of the information preparing for this interview, and I saw that you have something on the preamble, I think, early on in the uh, event. The warm-up to the entire competition is called the, the preamble competition. And it's sort of a fun opportunity for uh, kids to win points for their high school team. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and it's just it's all entirely voluntary, but but the kids then are uh, given the assignment of delivering the fifty-one word preamble to the audience in any format that they like. And some do some sing it, some dance it, some sign language it. You know they do it all various ways. Yeah, and it's very entertaining. And we give out a uh, prizes, and each kid can who, who we have three prizes for that part of it most entertaining, most most compelling, and most original. And uh, they get points for the high school championship. That. It's, a, it's a fun kind of warm-up. That sounds fun. Yeah, it would um, kind of relax everybody and, uh, and uh, make us all laugh and have a good time and then get down to the serious business of understanding the Constitution. I, I truly, I just, I'm so excited about this opportunity. Now, my understanding is that the states of Tennessee, Ohio, Michigan, and Minnesota, maybe Iowa, are the states that have an opportunity and, to... 
and Michigan. Yeah, we've already got those in, in the works. And um, um, you can see those details uh, April 18th in Michigan, uh-huh. April 25th in Tennessee, um, April, uh, May 9th now in Ohio, and uh, in May in Iowa and Minnesota. And then if, if a student lives outside those states, we have an at-large competition um, in Nashville that they can all come into and in, in, in their round one and possibly you know, move on to the next. When is that? Same this April 25th. If you don't live in, in Michigan uh-huh. and if you don't live in Tennessee uh, and you want to compete, you can just sign up for that event and fly into Nashville and see if you can win that round one event and get a ticket to, to Washington, D.C. Have you um, received any outreach from the other states to start a Constitution? Yes, being? we've got some people in Florida are interested, some people in Kansas are interested, so uh, North Carolina. So we'll see. You know, it's a bit of a as you know, you've been involved with us in this project for several months now. It's a bit of an organizational challenge to make it all work, isn't it? Oh, sure. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Well, I've, I've only been basically involved in trying to get um, the word out, uh, and that's mm-hmm. why I feel so fortunate to be able to have you on air with me today. Uh, in fact, why don't you give the audience a little bit more of your background? I gave, of course, your um, being the CEO and founder of the Star News digital media, but you have some other experiences that are relevant to your ability to put together something this large. Well, yeah, I've been involved in, uh, uh, I, I, I hate to say it, I'm an Ivy Leaguer, I'm a Harvard guy, I went to Stanford Business School. We won't hold that when. against you. Don't, don't hold that against yeah, me. <laughs> we won't, we promise. <laughs> um, and I've been involved in business and various technology businesses for a while, and mostly in, in media in that area. In uh, 2009, I was involved in the launch of the Tea Party movement and uh, kind of held the original conference call that launched the, the Tea Party movement. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, so that was uh, kind of fun. We used to Twitter and conference calls to kind of get that moving. Then I wrote a book in 2012 called Covenant of Liberty, the Ideological Origins of the Tea Party Movement, that was published by Harper Collins, and, uh, uh, and, and but subsequent to that, I became a contributor at Breitbart News, where I've been a contributor since 2012, and then in 2017, we launched the Tennessee Star, and then in subsequent years, and uh, have added, um, become a larger company called Star News Digital Media, of which I'm the CEO, and uh, have the operations in Michigan, the Michigan Star, the Ohio Star, and uh, um, uh, the Minnesota Sun, and they're looking to expand into other states like Iowa and perhaps North Carolina over the next uh, several months. Wow, that is really excellent. Now, I notice on the nationalconstitutionb.org website, there's a sign-up that you can, um, yeah. that teachers and parents can go to who live if you're outside. right now and you're in Michigan and you're either a teacher or a student, sign up right now. Uh-huh, yeah. Sign up right now. And uh, we'll uh, be communicating to you with the details of the April 18th event in Michigan and the Round 1 event. And then uh, we'll go on to uh, uh, more details about how to prepare for it. And, uh, uh, you know, if you want to volunteer, just, you know, we need help. We're happy to have it. Yeah, and I understand, of course, we need funding for this. And so there's a website where you can go to offer a tax-deductible donation, and that's foundersfreedomforum.org. Yeah, and foundersfreedomforum.org, actually, this is, they're, they're partnering with us. They're our Michigan partner. Okay. Uh, 
And uh, so they're partnering with our, our national foundation. And the scholarships in Michigan are, 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 are going to be funded by that group, and it is uh, tax-deductible, so I would strongly recommend that. Yeah, and uh, also a local contact if anyone would like additional information here in Michigan on this really wonderful event, uh, contact MelanieCurdies at gmail.com, and that's M-E-L-A-N-I-E-K-U-R-D-Y-S at gmail.com. And, of course, this information can be heard again. My programs are archived at, and this is a long email address, anchor.fm forward slash Janice dash Daniels. So if you want to, in fact, Michael, if you would like to listen to some of my previous shows, you, you're more than welcome to go there and uh, listen Great. in. But this show will be on that website probably no later than tomorrow. So we can... Uh, continue this discussion, certainly. The event sponsors are, as um, Mr. Leahy has uh, announced, Star News Digital Media. There also is a Michigan chapter of U.S. Parents Involved in Education, and that's the group that I think Melanie Curdies has yes. is, is a major part of. Uh, you've got Founders Freedom Forum and the Janice Daniels Radio Show. That's right. Thank you for your sponsorship, Daniel. Well, you're very welcome. I intend to get more involved as the time goes on, as we get closer and closer to April 18th, which is the date that the U.S. Constitution B is going to be held in Michigan at the Royal Oak Campus of Oakland County Community College. And yeah, they've been very gracious to make that uh, spot available to us. That's wonderful. That really is. That That's another good question. How um, amicable have been the schools or, or colleges that you're hosting these events? Well, it, it's a mixed bag. You know, uh-huh. some are very receptive and some are less so. Yeah, well, that's that's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> good job. Um well, let me see what else. I have a call coming in. I'm not sure who's calling in that would like to speak to us about this wonderful, wonderful opportunity that you've provided or helped to provide to us to start the process of having our youth understand the Constitution, as you say, from an originalist standpoint, rather than this murky uh, living document kind of a concept. Uh, I I am very pleased, again, to be involved with this. Uh, Right now, we're speaking to Michael Patrick Leahy from the Star News Digital Media organization that has started, again, this uh, wonderful opportunity to have our children learn more about the Constitution by having an exciting event called the U.S. Constitution B in Michigan. It's part of a national organiz- or a part of a national opportunity for our youth to again compete and then go to Washington D.C. Uh, for the national constitution be and that the prize the 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 prize that you're offering is so phenomenal it's $25,000 that's a lot of yeah, money yeah college scholarship for $25,000 that is a lot of money and it's I, a lot and, of money yeah, <laughs> yeah it really is um now my understanding is that you encourage students actually to study in teams so you're looking for class Mates to come. Well, to... they don't have to study in teams. They can do it in, in, uh, independently. It's it it helps if a teacher applies for a grant uh, to get books, and then that they can 
use it as a supplementary text in their classes. And so that's one of the aspects of our program that we're putting together. Oh, yeah, and that makes it even all the more expansive because slowly but surely we're going to get that platform of a originalist constitution in our public schools. That would be our ultimate goal. I, I think that actually would be our ultimate goal is to have all American citizens understand that there truly is such a thing as American exceptionalism. Thank you so much for joining us, Michael Patrick. We are going to talk again, I'm sure, as the uh, program gets um, underway. I appreciate your joining us on Thanks the so much. Janice Daniels Show. Spread the word. It's Wham! And I'm Janice Daniels.